Welcome to all the Star Trek and sci-fi fans out there. Greetings, everyone, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. This is Rico, and this is Treks and Sci-Fi, show number 58 for June the 18th, 2006. Going to have a real good show this week, and it's going to be a little bit sort of special for the fathers out there, so stay tuned. Here we go. like to, as usual, welcome everyone to the podcast for this week. This is uh, show number 58, a couple more to number 60, and it's going along uh, pretty well. And also, of course, welcome uh, any new listeners. If this is the first time to you listening to this podcast, welcome to the show. Well, as usual, it's uh, been a rather crazy week for me, and I'll just kind of fill you in before we really get rolling here. Um, the primary thing I had going on this week, which all of this brief little interlude here will be totally un-sci-fi related, but I've been really struggling with uh, fixing uh, one of my uh, sprinkler system valves. Basically, you know, sprinkler systems in the ground have different zones, and they're all controlled with these solenoids and valves. And this year, I, I had some trouble because, well, at the beginning of the season, I couldn't get the thing to turn on. Well, then I fixed it real good, and I couldn't get it to turn off. So, <laughs> to make a long story short, uh, I spent most of the day uh, yesterday out in the heat, uh, ripping the old valve out and putting a new one in, and it still didn't work for me. Well, I thought the solenoid, uh, the new one actually on the new valve I put in, had shorted out. But anyway, to make a long story short, I found out when I took it apart, there was a small little rock inside of the valve that it slipped in and I put it back together this morning and lo and behold everything's working and it's uh, plumbing type stuff both inside and outside and me never really get along real well I don't like doing it uh, it's always just seemed to me there's always a little drip or a leak somewhere it takes a little uh, yeah it's just not something that I, I have a good um, good luck with I guess is the way to put it but Electrical things, carpentry, most home stuff I can do and do real well, but plumbing and me have never really got along, so it's getting this valve for the sprinkler system fixed was a, a major uh, accomplishment on my part, and I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. The other, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we really get into things that I, uh, my wife and I, we went to see a, a play last night, a musical actually which we used to do this a lot and it just seems like time slips away and we don't get a chance to go as much anymore but we went to see this uh, musical called Wicked which you know some people have probably heard of out there 
it's fairly popular, I believe. It's it's sort of a story based on uh, The Wizard of Oz. And I think there was a book written, and then this musical play was adapted from the book. And it, it tells sort of a different point of view kind of tale about the Wicked Witch of the West and, and basically her and Glinda. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's just it was just great. I, I love watching stage performances. I mean, the, the acting, the singing, the dancing, all the choreography and everything that goes into it is, is just spectacular and it's uh it was at a place in in the detroit area called the masonic temple which is a real nice old building and just nice atmosphere inside and it was it was a great way to spend a saturday night so we went to that last night and really really enjoyed it i'm a big as i've mentioned i think before on the podcast i'm a big wizard of oz fan so so this uh this little musical was was really uh, special kind of for me because I'm such a big fan of that. But I highly, highly recommend if you ever get a chance to see Wicked, go go do it. Got a uh, couple of little news items, tidbits. Now we'll get into the sci-fi of this show. Uh, one is I just read on the Sci-Fi Wire that Billy Piper, who plays Rose on the British uh, Doctor Who series, is leaving at the end of Season 2 which uh, I'm not really sure the reasons. It says something like she wants to go on and work on other projects. That's that's basically probably it. Just watched a week or so ago the finale of season one of that show. Here it was being shown in the, on the Sci-Fi channel, at least in the States, and really, really enjoyed it. The DVD set's coming out, uh, I believe, next month in July, at least in the U.S. And then I, at some point I'm sure they'll be showing season two here, on, um, I don't get the, uh, there's a Canadian uh, channel that broadcasts them, I think, but my cable system doesn't seem to get that channel. But I'm looking forward to watching Season 2 uh, with the new Doctor and Rose, but in Season, I guess the next season, Season 3, there will be a new, new probably a new companion, new actress uh, for a companion for the Doctor. I'm not really sure if the Doctor from Season 2 is coming back for Season 3. I, I would think so, but I'm not sure on that. But that's one little uh, story I wanted to pass along there. Also wanted to say that uh, it looks like the you know the Stargate series, of course, will be back in July, and I think they're going to do a uh, sort of a, a special retrospective uh, the week before about Stargate. I, th- I think it's just Stargate SG One, maybe Atlantis Two. I think it's just SG One though. So keep an eye out on that, uh, at least on the Sci Fi Channel, if that's what if that's uh, hopefully something that you can get in your uh, your area. Well, now let's uh, let's move on to uh, to some email and uh, some audio email that I've gotten this week. Incoming transmission, Captain. The first uh, email here that I'm reading is from Jason Rennie. He says, "Hi, Rico. You mentioned that I, that all of the time travel stuff in in Broken Bow, or is it Broken Bow? Maybe Broken Bow or Bow. I, I might be saying that wrong. B O W, Bow, Broken Bow gave you a headache." If you're interested, I did an episode of the Sci-Fi Show on time travel that might give you some better perspective on the whole thing. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for your email, Jason. I appreciate that. I'll have to check out your uh, the Sci-Fi Show that you're talking about on time travel. Sounds interesting. Yeah, you know the this that whole temporal Cold War thing that had the theme going through Enterprise. Eh, you know, it gets a bit confusing, of course, because. If they're in the future and they're trying to do things to the past to change it, wouldn't that change their their present future? Or, you know, the, the present for them is our future. Uh, again, I don't want to talk about that too much right now, but if anyone else is interested, check out that show Jason mentioned, the sci-fi show. Got another, uh, another email here from someone named 
Tom Peterson. He says, I was listening to the podcast at work today, and you referred to Enterprise as the fifth Star Trek series, but it's actually the sixth. Everyone seems to forget that there was an animated series for a couple seasons back in the 70s. And, if, you know, you're absolutely right, Tom, and I have mentioned the animated series on the on the podcast before, but I, I guess I was mainly thinking live-action series, you know, the fifth series in Star Trek that was live-action. The animated, I kind of put that in, in a different category. Uh, not that it's bad or anything like that. I, I really enjoyed it when it was on, and hopefully we'll see those DVDs come out later this year, like they've been talking about. But it's it's still, it's not really, not really part of the, you know, what's normally thought of as the, all the Star Trek series. You know, you started with the TOS, the original, the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then finally Enterprise, uh, with, of course, the animated series being being between uh, TOS and TNG, with um, actually before any of the movies, the animated series was on the air, which which had a lot of great stories, and I do plan on definitely covering some of those in an in upcoming podcast, hopefully when the DVDs arrive. Thanks a lot for your comment, Tom. And the last uh, last thing I wanted to say or, or comment on and play is I got a uh, from our longtime listener friend Kenny in California. I have a couple of audio comments actually for playing this week. The first one that he sent in is about uh, last week's podcast on Enterprise a bit, so I'll play that for you now. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California. I just wanted to send you a quick thank you for doing a podcast on what I feel is a much overlooked Star Trek series, Enterprise. I enjoyed Enterprise from the very beginning. Uh, the first two seasons were really good. They have their good and bad episodes, as most series do. And then they decided to take season three in a whole new direction and make it an entire story arc for one season, which I thought was great. The Zindi story was was really well done. A lot of great episodes. And then, of course, Manny Cotto took over, and he brought Enterprise to a whole new level. Great story, continuity, everything was great. He did a great job, and he would have continued to do a great job if it continued. The one thing I didn't hear you mention on your podcast was when they first released Enterprise, they did not call it Star Trek Enterprise. They wanted to try to have a standalone, try to grab fans who weren't fans of Star Trek to uh, enjoy the show. But of course, after two seasons, ratings weren't the best, so they decided to tack on Star Trek, so it became Star Trek Enterprise instead. Anyways, keep up the great job, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Thanks a lot, Kenny, for your uh, great comments, as always. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I did mention that last week, but yeah, they had the whole, uh, when it was first on the first couple of years, it was just called Enterprise, and then they called it eventually Star Trek Enterprise. I know there was a big hoopla, especially in the in the Trekkie fandom, about calling it only Enterprise to begin with, and then switching later a couple of years after that to Star Trek Enterprise. You know, it really didn't bother me one way or the other. It's It's just the name of the show. Uh, I was kind of fine with just calling it Enterprise. It really wasn't that that big a deal for me. But, uh, you know, some people think that makes a difference on on ratings and getting people to watch. I really think it's just a name primarily, and I don't think it made much of a difference whether people watched or didn't watch. Uh, For the people, at least I know, that were our Star Trek fans, I don't think they they said, oh, I'm not going to watch that because it's not called Star Trek Enterprise. And I don't. I didn't hear from a lot of people who who were not really into Star Trek that said, "Hey, what's this show called? Enterprise? Maybe I'll watch that." You know, be thinking that, "Oh, this isn't really Star Trek." I don't know. It, they kind of goofed around with that a little bit, and it was probably caused a lot more stir and controversy than it really needed to be. 
But uh, thanks again for your comments, uh, Kenny. Glad you liked last week's podcast. I really enjoyed doing that. I like I like the uh, Enterprise series, and I'm planning on covering a few more of those episodes in, in the future. One thing I want to say before uh, I get into the main uh, topic for the Deep Space Nine episode that we're going to look at this week is, and I mentioned this on Wednesday's show, I have updated both the main page on the website, treksf.com, or just go to treksinsci-fi.com. Both of those should get you to the new main webpage, and also the the forums. I, I spent some time uh, a couple of days back updating the, the look of the forums, and I, and I hope all these changes are, uh, I, I hope people are liking them. I, I haven't, they've just happened in the last few days, I haven't got a lot of feedback, but at least I know the forum members seem to be liking it, and the, the new look and that. I'm still tweaking things, and there, there'll still be some slight changes in the next few weeks but it's it's pretty much in place for now and i I think it looks pretty good i'm 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 liking what i uh, you know the new look i guess and you know sometimes change is a little good and and i'm not exactly always the easiest person to get along with changes but uh, i think these are are good so i hope everyone's enjoying the new look of the uh of the page on the internet so without any further ado let's get to deep space nine a freak accident freezes cisco in time no his son begins a lifelong obsession. You're older than I am. To save his father. We're trying to rescue you. Let go, Jake. But to bring him back to reality. They're being pulled into subspace. Could take Jake his entire life. Jake, what's happened to you? On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, today for the uh, podcast, you could hear from that preview. We're going to talk about a Deep Space Nine episode called The Visitor. This is from the fourth season of Deep Space Nine. It was first shown on October the 9th, 1995. Now, this, this episode was written by a freelance writer called uh, Michael Taylor, who came up with the uh, basic storyline and wrote the episode. However, uh, several people on board the writing staff at Deep Space Nine at the time contributed quite a bit to the episode. And uh, looking through this Deep Space Companion book that I have, which is which is an excellent guide book to all the episodes of Deep Space Nine, it gives some uh, background on a couple of the writing contributions to, from the other people on staff. Primarily uh, from Ira Bear, who was one of the executive writers on the staff at the time, and Rene Echeverria, I think is how you say his name. Both those guys were worked hard on Deep Space Nine over the years and contributed quite a bit to this episode. Ira especially uh, made this episode uh, from the point of view of, uh, if you know, and I'll, you'll know this soon when I get to the audio portions, basically this episode is uh, from Jake Sisko's viewpoint as he's older and tells this story and this tale about uh, him and his father to somebody that comes to see him. And, and Ira added that little tidbit to the story that it was told through his eyes and to a another person that would come visit Jake. Now, a few uh, a few other things on this episode before I start playing some of the audio and commenting there. The um, This episode, TV Guide, you know, and they've done these over the years, I think, a few times, but TV Guide did a poll uh, a few years ago about everyone to write in and vote for your favorite uh, or the best not really i guess you could call it a both best and favorite anyway the uh they wanted people to say what what's your best uh, what's the best star trek episode and this episode the visitor from deep space nine was voted the top episode by uh the tv guide readers which which is kind of a shock it, it's not an original series episode it's not a next generation episode 
both of those series being very, very popular, and Deep Space Nine always sort of being the, uh, um, you know, not nearly as, as viewed as, as the other Star Trek series, uh, was, was a bit of a shock. But this this episode really deserves to be at the top of any uh, episode list for Star Trek because this is a powerful, uh, very emotional episode uh, along the lines of the other one that I did a few weeks ago called Duet uh, from Deep Space Nine. I mean, Deep Space Nine did not shy away from doing you know, emotionally charged, strong episodes like this. And, and this vi- this episode, The Visitor, is a, a perfect example of that kind of show. And I think one of the reasons why Deep Space Nine over the years is going to be more and more uh, really viewed as, a, as a, an excellent series and is, is really great to watch uh, it again because of the strong episodes like this. So, so that uh, that's an interesting point, and it was also nominated uh, as a couple of other Star Trek episodes have been nominated over the years for a, a Hugo Award for, uh, which is the Science Fiction Awards for the year for dramatic presentation. It didn't win. Um, a Babylon Five uh, won a lot that year, so they didn't win. The Visitor didn't win anything for that, but it's still you know it's still when you're nominated, it still means you are recognized as being pretty much the cream of the crop, uh, and. It's still, as they say on the Academy Awards, it's great to just be nominated. So that's uh, another thing about this episode. This is definitely a uh, one of the tops of, of Deep Space Nine. Now let's uh, let's get to the overall storyline. Now for those that don't recall or haven't seen this either before or in a while, the basic storyline of this episode is that that both um, Jake and his father uh, Ben Cisco, you know Captain Cisco, are aboard the Defiant. In, in the wormhole, you know, off of Deep Space Nine. And this wormhole is going through something called, an, they call it an inversion, which only happens like every 50 years, they say, in the episode. Well, there's a, there's an accident in the engineering section at the beginning of this episode, and when that accident happens, uh, Captain Sisko, Ben Sisko, is, is sort of disappears from this electrical charge that comes out of uh, the warp core area. And Jake's left there thinking that his father's been killed, and and then that's uh, it's a bit of a shock. It happens early in the episode. Well, just to give you the overall plot, and then we'll get to the audio. I think this will be simpler for this show. It's not really the case of that. The what what this accident did to Cisco was to Ben Cisco, I should say, is it threw him into basically a an area of subspace, and he's basically kind of locked in there and locked in time not aging or you know for him only minutes are passing where everyone else years and years are passing and what what happens throughout this episode is the way they play that out is that Jake uh, he slips out of subspace and meets up with Jake at different periods in his life and because of this situation Jake spends a, a, a huge amount of his life trying to figure out a way to get his father back and he he basically sacrifices a lot uh, he he's sort of started out as a career as a writer and he, he kind of gives it up to study uh, physics and quantum mechanics in order to try to rescue his father and, and he and he really he spends his entire life throughout this episode trying to get uh, commander or captain excuse me captain at this point captain Cisco back to him and it's it's really really emotional as you'll hear from some of the clips I'm going to play here and I think I'm going to get started on that now I'm going to play the the first uh, clip is at the very beginning of the episode. This, uh, it, the way they start this out, it's one of these flashback kind of tales a little bit where this woman who is very interested in Jake as a writer who's only written a couple of books, but now he's an old man. He's living in a house down in Louisiana, 
and this woman comes to visit him, and this sets the stage for the whole episode where she, she basically hears the tale of Jake recounting to her about, you know, what happened to his father and, and why he gave up writing and everything like that. And, and this first little clip I'll play is when they uh, are first talking about that, so I'll play that for you. Here you are, today of all days. And somehow it seems like the right time for me to finally tell this story. It begins many years ago. I was 18. And the worst thing that could happen to a young man happened to me. My father died. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the actor uh, Tony Todd, who's playing the older uh, Jake uh, Sisko. Now, what I read in the companion there guide was that they interviewed, you know, and, and looked at a lot of people to play Jake uh, as, as, you know, an older uh, incarnation of him you know, when he was older. And they actually thought Sirik Lofton, I think that's how you say his name, the guy who really plays Jake uh, on Deep Space Nine, they were almost going to use him, you know, age him up and things like that. But they decided it was simpler if they just got an actor who was older already, which would show a little bit more of the difference between the young Jake and the old Jake. So I, I was glad that they did that. I think it works works real well. And Tony Todd really does a good job as Jake in this episode. A wonderful job, really. It's just really super per- performance by him in this. You know, the uh, the great little twist there at the way they start this episode out is you... you you're really, really caught off guard. I mean, here's Jake. He's an old man at this point, and he tells this woman who comes to see him, you know, you're, you know, that his father has died back when he was only 18, which was about the time or the age he was in in Deep Space Nine at that at that current season, which is a shock, of course, to the audience because they're like, hey, what, what well, what's going on? I'll, I'll, you know, now you're old. Cisco is dead. What, well, what happened? So it it pulls you in right away, and it, it's a different uh, TV shows and, and Star Trek, of course, a lot of them have used this technique where they, they throw you uh, something at the very beginning, get you, get you hooked in, and then they, they spend the rest of the episode kind of explaining it all. And it's one show that does it a lot these days, I notice, is, is Battlestar Galactica, the new one that's on sci-fi. They, they tend to do that uh, that little thing at least a few times each season. They'll show you something, and then they go back in time throughout the episode to show you how they got to the point they were at. So it's a neat technique, and it, it works it works real well in this episode especially. I think it's perfect for this one. Now I'm going to uh, I'll play a uh, clip. Here is the, the this is difficult to really, you, you don't really get a sense of what's going on real well, but this uh, next audio I'm going to play for you is when the, the accident takes place, uh, when the wormhole's going through this little inversion problem, it causes trouble on the Defiance. Uh, Jake and his father end up down in the engine room trying to stop the engines from, you know, basically blowing up. And that's when Cisco gets blasted and, and thrown into subspace. So that I'll play this clip for you here. And, and just wanted to explain that, though, because it's a little hard to understand what's going on. But that's what happens in this next scene. Just a little more. No! 
was gone. I'm not sure I could ever get over losing somebody like that. Right in front of my eyes. People do. Time passes. And they realize that the person they lost is really gone. And they heal. Is that what happened to you? I suppose not. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll mention here, one of the other things that this uh, Deep Space Nine companion mentions that the the way they did this episode, they had a, uh, the other idea that they were going to do at first was that it was going to be told from the point of view of, of Captain Sisko more. He was going to be trapped in subspace. You would see him kind of stuck there, and he would pop out occasionally and see Jake uh, over the years. You know, he sees him a few times throughout this episode, three or four times, and you would then see Jake a little older, a little older, and older again, and so on, rather than more from Jake's point of view, which is the way they ended up with, which I think works a lot better. I mean, this this idea of telling a story to this person that comes to see in this woman is is perfect. It works real well, and you really get to see the you know the the hurt and and the emotions and everything that. Uh, that Jake has gone through over the years with his father being gone and, and how hard it is for him each time he sees him to just kind of lose him again in a few minutes. It, it really works well, and it, it, it's one of the reasons that makes this episode so strong, I think, and so, um, you know, gut-wrenching to watch, really. The next clip, this uh, this is another one where um, Jake, uh, Jake periodically basically... Captain Sisko pops in and out uh, to see him. There's sort of a link between the two of them. They, I guess because they were both in the engine area, engine room, maybe because they're father and son, maybe a little bit of both those things. They don't really explain it perfectly in the episode. There's a little bit of techno babble, which is Star Trek's way of saying, hey, we just throw in some uh, tech talk that sounds good, but it's it doesn't really matter that much. The, the, the basics or the, the storyline... Is, isn't is more important i mean it's the idea that jake uh, sees his father he every time cisco kind of pops back in every few years he's always pops in to see jake whether jake is still uh, on deep space nine whether he's back on earth wherever it's at he he's connected to him and this this next clip i'm going to play is one of those uh times uh where they hook up jake dad What happened? I told Dax about what had happened. How it felt so real. Not like a dream at all. And she very kindly obliged me and did a very thorough scan of my room. I felt vaguely ridiculous. Like a child insisting his parents check under the bed for monsters. <laughs> She tried to tell me it was probably just a nightmare, and I did my best to put the entire episode out of my mind. I puttered around the station for the next eight or nine months. Nog was off at Starfleet. My stories stubbornly refused to write themselves. I filled my time playing Domshot and tried not to think about how alone I really felt. Yeah, again, the... Uh, the just the distress you can hear in his voice, uh, both when he was young and older. Cisco, uh, as Jake, he just, you know, he's so difficult for him to deal with this and to get past it. Like he says in that earlier clip, 
you know, most people, when they experience loss, they heal over time and then they move on. Well, he's he's never really been able to do that. He's never really been able to move on because he, he, just, he just can't. And especially with, the, you know, Captain Sisko, his father, continuing to sort of reappear to him. And then he eventually realizes it wasn't just a dream or something when he saw him, that he is physically popping back in uh, occasionally and that maybe there is a way to do something about it and, and to save him. The The next clip here, this one is another situation where uh, Captain Sisko makes his way back. This one's a little bit longer, though, but I think it was an important uh, clip to play. I believe this one, they're still on Deep Space Nine. Uh, they're uh, trying to figure out a way to keep Sisko in, in the present. And I'll, well, I'll just play it for you right now. But something was wrong. I didn't understand everything they were saying. But Dax and the others seemed to think that the accident had somehow knocked my father's temporal signature out of phase. Benjamin, what's the last thing you remember? I was in engineering on the Defiant. It feels like a few minutes ago. Dad, it's been over a year since the accident. A year? How could that be? We think the warp core discharge pulled you into subspace. If we're right, that would explain why you didn't experience the passage of time. According to these readings... Unless we can realign your temporal signature, you'll be pulled back into subspace again within the next few minutes. Maybe we can set up some sort of containment field. We're going to have to reconfigure. Jake, they'll have me fixed up in no time. How are you doing? It's all right. Everything's going to be all right. I thought it was a dream. What was? When I, uh, when I saw you in my quarters, I, uh, I should have felt you were alive. I should have known it. It's not your fault, Jake. I'm here now. That's what matters. We're losing him. <laughs> Look at me. I need to know you're going to be all right. His temporal signature is fluctuating. <laughs> I need that containment field now, Chief. Right away. Field active. It's not working. Jake. Dak. I'm going to try locking onto him with the transporter beam. Don't leave me. Yeah, the uh, they, they do try a little... You know, a few tricks there, uh, containment field, transporter lock, and all that. But it still, Cisco still slips back into subspace. This, this episode was, uh, you know, they've done this a few times, but it, probably this was one of the first times where subspace uh, on Star Trek was was actually sort of a uh, thought of as actually a place where. And there's one point in this episode. I don't think I have a clip for it. Well, maybe I do. I think uh, it's. Um, yeah, I think there might be part of it in one of the later clips. But Jake, uh, as an older Jake, gets pulled into the subspace area where his father is at. And it's just sort of this white white room almost. You know, looks uh, very empty, Very there's nothing there. It's just this, this blank area. And Jake's there with his father. And that's where uh, Cisco, of course, Captain Cisco, is stuck throughout this episode. But they uh, they lose him again there. And, and, and Jake, again, is... is is, is having a, a, a you know a huge hard time with this and 
the, you know, it's it's one thing to lose somebody, but to lose them over and over again like that has just got to be uh, almost unbearable. Um, it, it's just it's just really really powerful stuff, and really, uh, you know, it's the kind of episode you got to watch with uh, a box of Kleenex. I think pretty much it's, it's strong stuff. Yeah, I know. Uh, especially when I first saw this episode, this uh, this episode really uh, it, it hit me pretty good, uh, and and I really can uh, feel for Jake and identify with him a bit. I um, I lost uh, my father when I was very young. I was about ten, and I'm not going to go into too much here on a sci-fi podcast, but I can completely understand uh, the way Jake would feel and. You know that this the thing about this episode that really is going on here is Jake is just sacrificing everything in his life to to try to get his father back, and he's going um, going as far as he can go to do that. There is a um, you know he actually ends up getting married in this episode. You see him with a wife at one point, uh, but because of his obsession with getting his father back. It, it just it, it it ends. They don't show that really in the episode, but he, it mentioned they mention it in a in a later clip where he, he gets obsessed so much with you know working on trying to get his father back that he he loses his wife. She kind of slips away from him, and he he just he's just distraught. And I, I can I can understand that. The um you know what really ends up happening. In a, well, I'm not, I think I'm not gonna I'm gonna kind of say how he gets Jake or Jake gets. Cisco back, of course, by the end of it, which which has has to happen. Um, but I'll talk about that more in a minute to, to to show you what links he's willing to go to. Yeah, this uh, the next clip here is this one is uh, I believe in Jake's home now. He's older. This is where he has a wife. Uh, Cisco reappears to him at this point, and uh, Jake kind of fills uh, Benjamin in on what's been going on with him in his life and everything. So, and this one's kind of nice. I mean. It, they don't really go into too much about how Captain Cisco, you know, is dealing with only a few minutes or very, very short periods of time are going by, and then he's seeing his son, and he doesn't even really have a chance to react to seeing his son, you know, decades older and things happen to him and everything. So, but I'll play this uh, clip for you now. Did you get through? I talked to someone at Starfleet Science. They're going to get a team here as soon as they can. Uh, this is Karina, my wife. Your wife. I never thought I'd have the pleasure of meeting you. The pleasure is mine. How long have you two been married? Seven years. Do I have any grandchildren? Not yet. We were married in New Orleans in your father's restaurant. Well, he insisted. Just about everybody came. Dax, Kira, O'Brien. That must have been something. I, I gotta go call Star. They'll get her as soon as they can. Talk to me. I've missed so much. Let's not waste what little time we have. I have a feeling you might want to see these. They're Jake's. (laughs) You did it. I always knew you would. Jake. 
what? For giving up on you. No one could be expected to hold out hope for this long. No, I, I, I just kept trying to find you. And I just went on with my life. And I'm proud of what you've accomplished. None of it matters. Now that I know that you're out there lost somewhere. Of course it matters. You have a wife. A career. And don't think because I'm not around much that I don't want grandchildren. Hmm. Within a few seconds, he was gone again. Yeah, that was a uh, little bit longer clip again, but it, it, it's important, I think, you know, to see and hear everything that's been going on. I mean, Jake did try for a period of time to move on, but it, like I've said a few times now, he, he just he can't. He just is is so um, concerned and and just needs to get his father back. And what that leads to is is the real the, the difficult thing about this episode is what you discover is that Jake just Jake works out um, that the only way to really get his father back is is to he he has this theory that. They are connected, sort of like a rubber band is connected. And to and if when when Captain Cisco swings back and and reappears, the only way to really keep him there would be, as Jake calls it in the episode, for the uh, rubber band or the cord to be cut, which basically means he needs to die. And what you find out in this episode is that he's slowly been actually poisoning himself towards the end. Uh, and has timed it with the next reappearance of his father to the point that he will, if he dies, he he theorizes that that will snap this all back in place, and and Cisco, Captain Cisco, will be back at the point in time on the Defiant to to stop uh, the accident from happening ever, which of course will change everything. Uh, it, it's difficult to explain, and and it's better if you just go watch the episode. Really, uh, the. Um, there is one more attempt to get him back sort of before this happens, and I'll play that, a clip of that for you right now. What it is, it's 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 in the future, a lot more even in the future. Uh, Jake at this point is about 68, and what they have, they're trying now is they get the, uh, the Defiant once more. Nog's in command at that point. Everyone else from Deep Space Nine is older. Jake's, like I said, 68. This is 50 years later, and because that wormhole goes through this in inversion every 50 years they they think that if they go back to the wormhole recreate kind of the accident and conditions that happened then when it first uh when captain cisco first disappeared that that maybe they can get him back but of course this this doesn't work but i'll play the clip for you right now jake they're doing the best they can there's nothing we can do from here it's been so long i need to know what i've missed what about those grandchildren we talked about? Karina and I were no longer together. She left me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have let her go, but there was so much I had to do. This has taken years of planning. What about your writing? Dax, try boosting the carrier amplitude. Maybe you can... Jake, what's happened to you? This is the last chance I'm ever going to have to help you. No! 
Jake, it's over. It's not going to work. It has to. Then go, Jake. If not for yourself, then for me. You still have time to make a better life for yourself. Promise me you'll do that. Promise me. And of course, uh, of course, Jake can't promise uh, his father. He he needs him back. He he feels like he's lost so much. What you know, over the years, the um, the thing I wanted to mention here is one of the great things about this episode and Deep Space Nine in general is Star Trek had never really shown a, a sort of a a parental type relationship that much until Deep Space Nine. They both had. Uh, Obviously, Captain Sisko and his son Jake, Ben and, and Jake, uh, a strong father-son relationship, which which was a great thing to show. You know, you you've got uh, the head of Deep Space Nine, Captain Sisko, but he has a son, and his son is very important to him, and he he cares for him greatly, and, and vice versa. You know, even though Jake sometimes, of course, gets into a little trouble occasionally, but he's a he's a he's a teenage boy, and that's going to happen. But it's it's really really, I think. One of the best things about you know this episode and and Deep Space Nine is the fact that they have this family relationship going on, and they did the same thing with Keiko and O'Brien and, and their daughter, but that was more of a marriage situation. The 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 daughter um, Molly, yeah, that was her name, w- was very young, and so they didn't really get to show a lot uh, along those lines. But it was a more of the wife and and husband situation for those two. But but Jake and 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 his um, his father. It really, really was a, was a great thing to show on Star Trek, and you know, of course, they had a difficult time because in the in the very first episode, you you see and and find out that uh, they've lost uh, Jake's lost his mother, uh, and also um, you know, of course, Captain Sisko lost his wife in that in that Borg incident uh, that they showed at the beginning of uh, the first Deep Space Nine episode. So, it they depend upon each other a lot, and and they they care about each other greatly, which is what this episode is all about. So, the the last clip I'm going to play from the episode is the of course they managed to get Captain Cisco back with what I already described how they do it, which is Jake discovers that if he snaps this connection when Cisco is back, it will it will throw him back to the point in time when everything started, and he can he can stop the situation and then not get thrown into subspace and kind of fix everything in a way which uh it's it's a little technical and and you know it's a little much but but the thing about this is that keep in mind that the jake he's he's taking a, a huge leap i mean he's an older man by this point but he's he's been doing this you know sh- injecting himself with this slow poison so that exactly at the right point in time when captain sisto reappears he, he can, he'll die and he is taking a shot that if he dies, he'll, he could possibly change what's happened and bring his father back. So I'll, I'll play, that, uh, play that clip for you now. When I die, you'll go back to where this all began. Just remember to dodge the energy discharge from the warp core. Jake, you could still have so many years left. No. We have to be together when I die. Jake, you didn't have to do this. Not for me. For you and for the boy that I was. He needs. 
don't you see? We're going to get a second chance. Jake, my sweet boy. back he uh he managed to fix things the the older jake uh and did what he needed to do got him got his father back with him when he was a boy and it's um it's a big tale of sacrifice it's 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 not an easy episode to watch but it's it's very emotional very strong and i really really enjoyed it it really you know it it really hit hits home for me at least and it's you know what would you do what would you sacrifice to to stop something like that from happening it's uh i think most people would would do that you know i think most people would would do whatever they had to do to get a loved one back so good stuff star trek um comes through um you know again uh i want to play one more clip this one is from uh kenny again this is his uh comments on this episode and after i play kenny's comments on the visitor uh this wonderful deep space nine episode I'll be back uh, with a little bit more, so stay tuned, and here's Kenny about uh, The Visitor. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California. Just wanted to give you my comments on Deep Space Nine, The Visitor. This was a great choice for Father's Day. Uh, This was just a fantastic story. Uh, The acting, uh, it just had such an emotional core uh, to the story. you know, watching Jake lose his father over and over and finally giving up and then trying again, you know, and, and uh, in the end, finally sacrificing himself for his father. Not knowing if it would work, but still, you know, taking the chance to, to live a life with his father rather than without. Such a great story. Um, and again, it goes to, I've always said Deep Space Nine had some of the best storylines, and uh, this is just proof. So uh, thanks for doing this uh, podcast on this episode, and happy Father's Day. Bye. Thanks a lot for that uh, comment, uh, those comments, Kenny. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great story, great episode. Uh, and I want to also mention I, that uh, Mr. Ataz uh, on the forums was the one that had made the suggestion to look at this episode for Father's Day, and I want to kind of dedicate it to, to all the fathers out there. This is... Uh, great episode you know if you go out and uh, get a chance to uh, watch it get your kids around you and, and watch this episode together it's uh, it's really good and i'm going to take that uh, quick break now and then uh, i'll be back you're listening to the treks in sci-fi podcast starring my friend rico 
Okay, this week on the on the collecting side of things, just want to make a few things. Of course, I want to always mention that YouBuyNow.com partially sponsors the show and podcast. And you can go over to YouBuyNow.com to save uh, 10% uh, on all the collectibles over there by using the code TREKSF or TREKS in Sci-Fi. Check it out. They've always got some new things each week, so, t- so take another look if you lo- haven't looked in a while. Well, I thought for this week the, the collectible that I would look at is, is a piece I got a couple of years back, but it's a really nice one, and, and, and it's really neat. It's not a Star Trek item, but I wanted to get this one uh, mentioned and talk about this one since uh, I do already have some pictures, I think, up in the collectible gallery that I've got on my website about it. Uh, I'll talk about it. It's a um, There's a movie called uh, Hellboy from, I guess, maybe about two years ago, two or three years ago. Now, starring Ron Perlman, it's based on a comic book uh, series. The uh, the item I wanted to mention and talk about is uh, he has a he has a gun in the movie. That's uh, it's it's he's a really big guy and a, he plays a big character, Hellboy, in the movie. And this gun is is just huge. And it's uh, this item was was put out by Sideshow and it came out like I said a couple of years back, uh, not too long after the movie came out. It is uh, a one-to-one scale replica of the movie gun that he used, and it's uh, it's very very neat. It's it's basically made in the, they call it this polystone material, which is which is another name for sort of a a very hard resin-like plastic material primarily. But it, it doesn't really appear that way when you the, you know when you hold the gun and you pick it up. It, it has a heavy weight to it. It is very well finished, so it looks like uh, metal. Uh, it also comes with four bullet rounds or shells or whatever you want to call them that you can load into the chamber and spin around. Of course, it doesn't fire or do anything like that, but it has some moving parts there, a trigger. And uh, like I said, the, the finish on this, they did a great job on the finish. It's just really, really sharp looking. And it, the only unfortunate thing about this piece is it didn't come with any kind of a case. And it, it's a very large gun and a very large piece, and I can understand that. But I uh, I got uh, a custom case built for it. There's a few people that'll make custom acrylic cases online. If you collect things like this and you don't have a case or a, a big curio curio type cabinet to put it in, but you you definitely want to keep these things protected to keep the dust and and stuff off of them. And I managed to get a custom case built for this piece. It's uh, comes on a real heavy solid base. The gun rests on this cool little holder, and you'll see some pictures up in the the gallery about it and. The shells that uh, load into the gun can all sit. There's four of them, and they all sit in these individual little circles, little holders on the on the front of the base, and it makes a really great display uh, overall. Sideshow did a really good job on this piece, and it's it really uh, really looks sharp. I'm trying to remember. I think it was in the two to three hundred dollar range when I first got it, maybe something like that. They also did a miniature version of this. Uh, I think it was a. Uh, for one of the comic cons, maybe right after Hellboy came out that that summer, they did a, uh, a miniature version of this. This, which was, um, I think that item went for around thirty or forty dollars, and it had individual little shells you could load in, and it's it's pretty cool. I never picked up the miniature version. I figured the full scale was good to have, and uh, but I really enjoyed that movie, and I, I think they're going to still do a uh, a Hellboy two movie sometime. I've been hearing about, although it keeps getting delayed, I guess. They, uh, the other people working on that are, you know, continue to do other things and kind of it's all scheduling and a lot of things. But it is in the works to do a Hellboy 2 movie at some point in time. And I'll be uh, really pleased if this gun shows up again because this is a cool item and uh, really, really good if you're into the movie and, and enjoyed that movie. Uh, 
You can still find these on eBay. They're a little more expensive now because it's a, it was a limited edition. I think they made about two, two to three thousand. I'm not. I don't have the exact number right now in front of me, but it's a really good job. And Sideshow comes through again with some some very cool replicas. So check them out. Uh, and you'll there's some links all over my website. A couple places. It'll, if you just go to the main page and go to links, I think I have a collectible section there. And Sideshow is is one of the ones listed. So check out Sideshow sometime if you're into uh, this type of collecting. And uh, that's about it for the Hellboy gun. Oh, I, I can't believe in, in that my whole discussion on that replica. I didn't mention this thing is called the Samaritan. That's the uh, the name uh, Hellboy gives the gun, and I'm not really sure. I, I they didn't really make a big deal out of the name in the movie, and I'm wondering if in the in the comic that it was based on, if there was a reason it was called that. But it's uh, it's called the Samaritan. So there we go, the Samaritan by uh, replica by Sideshow. Check it out. All right. Well, I just have a, a few announcements of things and then i'm going to get out of here and edit this up and upload it for father's day uh, again I, I hope everyone's enjoyed the look at the visitor uh I, I really uh really thought it was a great episode to look over for father's day and enjoyed looking at that one again uh it's just uh you know the nice thing about deep space nine is is they do those kinds of episodes they really dug in and and, and got to the to some really emotional subjects and and, and didn't shy away from things like that and and it's it's really really strong good stuff. Um, about the uh, you know definitely go take a look at the new website design and forums and that treksf.com treksandsci-fi.com are the URLs. Oh, the, the thing I wanted to say also was the future for uh, the next couple of weeks. The this the, there will be probably a short show this Wednesday, and then uh, next weekend that'll make it next weekend show will be number sixty. And I thought what I would do for show sixty next weekend would be to look at the final of the original trilogy Star Wars films. I'm going to look at Return of the Jedi. I've done Star Wars, the first one, A New Hope. I've done Empire Strikes Back, and I'm going to do now Return of the Jedi next weekend, which should be a lot of fun. And I think that movie gets a little uh, kind of the short end of the stick of the original series. And I, again, I will try to say a little bit more about why I think it's still uh, still a great film and was a fitting end to the original trilogy of Star Wars film. So that'll be coming up next weekend on podcast number 64, Treks and Sci-Fi. And as always, until then, everyone have a nice week. Enjoy uh, your Father's Day, or I hope you enjoyed your Father's Day if you are a father, or just uh, enjoy the nice weather. Hopefully it's good where you're at. Uh, It's really been warm here the last couple of days for us, but I think it's going to cool off soon. So that's about it. This is Rico signing off, and everyone, I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.